What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. The NBA season is nothing more than a memory. We got playoffs, but first and foremost, we got the play-in. Before that, Ronan, my man, what are you doing? What's going on? I don't see any Knicks jersey on. I wonder why. Oh, why, why would that be? Is that because uh, they, they, there's no reason to be uh, oh, represented? That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Unless I had an Obi Toppin jersey, I'd be happy to rep that because he actually he balled, he balled out last night. It's good to see. <laughs> um, well, we got to talk today before tomorrow. We got to talk about a couple of key matchups. Now we got the play-in tournament. We have the seven and eight seeds facing off in the East and the West. We have the Nets and the Cavs. We got the Clippers against the Timberwolves. Now, I, I always say on the show, we got to eat our vegetables first. And I say there's nowhere better to start than Durant on his way <laughs> to just send the Cavaliers on home. This should be a quick discussion. But I, I, I say, let's start off with this question. You know, what chance do the Cavs have to pull off an upset here? Because they're reeling from injuries all year long. They're obviously outmatched based on you got Durant just dropping 40 and 50 in the past week, which is a crazy week. First of all, I feel like everyone in this past month, and especially in the month of March, I think the month of March in particular for this was one of the highest scoring months in NBA history. I think it was like 13 players dropped over 40 points that month. It just seems like a run of the mill now that people are just going crazy left and right but Durant I mean that's what he does and that's what he's going to bring to the table against the Cavs you my friends you have been the the mayor of Sexland you've been the captain of the Cavaliers you've been the brave supporter of this team since day one do you have hope there's always hope when it's the Cavs the type of team that they are they're dogged they will they will remain in the game it's just a question of can they get enough scoring out of their guys? That's going to be the big mark against them. You know they're good defensively. They know they can, they can, uh, they can go through stretches of games where they can shut down opposition offense. But they can't get enough scoring out there. Darius Garland's kind of their only guy who's really going to create for himself and and get shots off. They're going to need Karis Levert to step up huge coming in off the mm-hmm. bench. They're going to need. Big performances out of guys like Markinen, Okoro, Mobley, and it's just you just don't know if, if you're going to get it because again, this is a, this is a, this is the first time for these guys. This is the first experience of of playoff action, and uh, as much as they're going in kind of with no pressure because they're going up against the Nets, all, all the pressure is on the Nets. But I still think it's going to be really really tough, and I will. I as much as I want to say. Cavs going to do it. I would be really shocked if the Cavs come out with a win against Brooklyn. I, I'll just put it this way. KD is averaging 28.7 points, five rebounds, 5.7 assists on 54% from three and 51% from the field against the Cavs this year. Kyrie averaging 22.5 points, 8.5 assists, 6.5 rebounds. Been a little inefficient against the Cavs this year, but both those guys are going to go off. So that's exactly what it comes down to me, too, for the Cavs. Who's going to score? Who's going to step up and score? And it's got to be Karis LeVert. If they have any chance, it's got to come from Karis LeVert having a big game. 
and he's just been on a serious slump. In the past 15 games, he's had 13.7 points a game on 44% from the field, 32% from three. And he's always been this kind of guy who's been streaky. He's, he's had months here and there where he's really shown it, and then everyone's back on the train of, oh, is, is he is he finally figuring it out? Is he, is he starting to get it? And he's just always been inefficient for different stretches of the year. And I just got to think about the fact that, again, his three games against the Nets, since he's been traded, he has had pretty big games. Maybe this is his time to come out of the slump because he's had a tough go this, uh, this last 15 games, 20 games or so. Um, so it's got to come from him, I think. Yeah, no, he, 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 he can be the X factor for, for this Cavs team. Another one is, is the potential that Jared Allen might be able to suit up. No way. He's obviously, a, that's be a huge difference maker. But, you know, if he's coming back, there's no way he's coming back 100% healthy. So, but at the same time, the guy, he chose not to get surgery to give himself the opportunity to come back. So, if, it, if he isn't back uh, tomorrow and they go on to lose, I think there's probably a good, good chance that he'll try and come back for the, for the game uh, against either the Hawks or the Hornets. I think I feel like that will be in his mindset. He avoided the surgery to get his team be able to be available for the playoffs. So he's if he's going to have to show up during a during a one off game to see if they can actually uh, actually get into the into the playoffs. So yeah, it's it's pressure on Karis LeVert. They the Cavs are going to need him to step up. I think you're looking at Garland and and Irving as kind of the the most interesting matchup between the two teams, you kind of look mm-hmm. at Garland as kind of the guy he's going out to try and prove that he is a guy who can do it at this, at this stage. And Irving is the guy going out to just remind everyone that he is still one of the elite players in this game. So that, that's going to be a real, that's going to be a real interesting battle. And if, I, I still, I think Garland's going to be, going to be good and he'll be able he'll be capable of going off it's just it all comes down to the support he's going to get from from the rest of the team especially on the on the offensive end that's why i really wish such a shame that sexton's not there because he can mm-hmm. he can go off scoring and creating his own shot as well but without him there you just don't i just don't think they're, they're going to have enough but they will be dogged they will they will work hard and it will be a tight game it's just the question of when you get Late in third, fourth quarter, can they stop KD and Kyrie they can't. just from going that, off? They can't. Just, just That's the thing. They can't. Up. They won't. They, they can't. They won't stop those guys from scoring. And it's going to come down to heroics. Mm. And I, I think that's what's interesting about, about this, uh, this matchup here because no one expects the Cavs to win. And I think everyone's given the Cavs their, their flowers for how well they've played this year and have definitely – put the asterisk on this season of you know a lot of people have gotten hurt gave them two all-stars i mean this, this team has two all-stars this year there's no joke that they're good and i think the league has recognized that and they have every excuse in the book to try hard pack it up and go home but if you've watched this team this year their culture is to compete they have a heart of competition on this team and you don't see that this early from a lot of teams and i think that's been the most impressive part of how they've competed this year 
is how they've stayed together despite the injuries and they've adapted throughout the season to having all these weird lineups and dealing with people in and out of the starting lineup, dealing with a new acquisition. And they have nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose. It would be such a fascinating way for Garland, for Okoro, Okoro in particular. I'm really looking at him because Kyrie Irving and Okoro, they've had their matchups over these past couple of seasons. And that's the guy that the Cavs wanted. They wanted Okoro as a ball stopper on the perimeter. You know, you're not you're not going to hold Kyrie to, you know, a bad performance, but can he really slow him down? Can he do something special here on the defensive end to do that? And Garland, I mean, he, it's a first-time All-Star. He's had awesome performances against the Nets this season. Every single game, he's he's been out there and he's been doing great things offensively. And the Nets have really struggled against dynamic playmakers like him. So he's, I think he's due to have a big night. They've really had trouble stopping guards and he's demonstrated that he can figure it out in the tough moments. What about Mobley though? Mobley, maybe he's the X factor. Can he stop KD? Because KD is going to score on everyone on this team. Like who's, who's stopping him? Lamar Stevens, Chetty Osman, Lowry Markinen. Like none of them are stopping him. Can Evan Mobley do something to, to slow KD down? Can he do it on the other end too? Because they're really going to need him to score. I, I think it would take some serious heroic effort from Evan Mobley. And if they win, if they somehow win, it's going to be off the backs of him because he's going to be responsible for putting pressure on the rim, for defending KD, for playmaking in the post. Like they're going to ask a lot from him this game, and he's going to have to grow up real fast. Yeah, big time. I think he's he's, he's impressed all year, and I think if he were to put in a big performance in this playing game it would not be would not be a surprise at all and at one thing i think they should definitely be looking into what the dallas mavericks did against the nets a few weeks back to try and halt kd he still had a big night he was still like 23 6 and 10 or something ridiculous like that but if you can hold kevin durant to a stat line like that then you have done a great job on him because he could easily be averaging like 35 points a game in this league, the way that he can score the basketball. So if they can, if they can limit him in any way, that means they've had a successful night and they're giving themselves a shot at being able to win it and get in, get in that number seven seed. Yeah. I mean, I think they're definitely going to be, they're going to be sending doubles all game. They're going to be crowding him and they're going to, you know, they're going to dare Bruce Brown to shoot. They're going to dare Cam Thomas to shoot. Kessler Edwards put him on the floor. They're going to dare him to shoot. They're going to leave Drummond and Claxton out. They're going to throw everything they can at, at Durant. And watch out for Durant having a big playmaking performance because hmm. he's been so underrated for so long as a passer. And in a situation like this where I think Cavs are going to throw out everything they can against him, he's going to have the opportunity to get a lot of these guys involved. Um, but I, I really think, you know, but just back to Mobley, we see him as a generational player. Yeah, I do. I see him on the same level as Anthony Davis. I see him as he's going to be up there when we're talking about best bigs in the league. He's going to be there for a long time. And players like that do special things when we don't expect it early on. And you can't predict those moments, but I, I get more excited as I think about it. When you start to put more pressure, put more responsibility on guys like this who are meant to blossom into that, they respond. 
So let's see how Evan Mobley responds. Maybe the Cavs don't get a win. Maybe they don't. And that's not what this season was about. This season, I mean, for them to be in this position right now is better than we could have thought. And they could have been even better if they were healthy. But for them to be here and for them to compete against two of the greatest of all time, what better way to grow than to do it on this stage of their careers? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's that's why it's, it's, why it's such an interesting battle. It's, it's so different parameters on, on each team, different expectations for each team. But it's as much as I said it's going to be a surprise, I'm still not confident enough to just go dead cert. There's no way Brooklyn's not losing this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Nets have won, lost weirder games before. Mm-hmm. Um, but let, let's switch over here. You got to go west. And this is a really fascinating matchup here. Uh, I'm not ready to pick as I was for the Nets as easily, as easily against the Cavs. But the Timberwolves and the Clippers is a fascinating matchup, not just how you see it X's and O's and on the court, but a lot of connections here too. Look at Norman Powell used to be coached by Chris Finch. He knows him well. He knows his system well. Pat Bev, obviously his connection with the Clippers and Ty Lue, you got to think that he knows a lot about this team and what they like to do. And the last time that they played, he held the Clippers guards at 2 of 12. Nine turnovers between the both. So Pat Bev is going to be gearing up to have a, a huge game here. So it's cool to see some of these uh, connections here. Paul George also being very good friends with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. So just the storylines in this game in and of itself can be fascinating. But who's the biggest key here for you? Like what, what's the most important thing for the Timberwolves to get right in order to come out of this matchup? Uh, I guess being engaged on both ends of the floor. I think there's times where you see them play games and they're just, they're just not all, all, all there and it can go quite badly. But then there's other nights where all their three stars and all their role players are all clued in on both ends of the court and they can absolutely go off. I mean, they they average the uh, the highest points per game this season. Yeah. Also, the most three-pointers made, the most turnovers forced. Uh, they're up there third in blocks and steals. So they are absolutely capable of being a really quality team on both ends of the floor. And I hope that in a game in a situation like this where it's just, just one off game they will be absolutely up for it and really put the sword to this clippers team who are still weaker obviously getting george back and the way they've performed the season without so with, with so many injuries is unbelievable but they should still see this clippers team as as somewhat of a wounded animal that they should be able to take down oh man i i hope see that's the problem they they better not see them as that they better not see them as that because the Clippers, I mean, now that you got, now that you got Norman Powell back, now that you got Paul George back, this is a team that don't sleep on them potentially making it to the finals if Kawhi somehow sneaks his way back. I mean, this is a good team, and that I think that's been the problem for young teams like the Timberwolves. Look at look at the the Hawks, look at the the Hornets, teams like that that have had ebbs and flows of focus depending on their matchups, depending on the night. And, you know, you can't have that, like you said, in a playing game where it's, you have to win this game. And if they don't take them seriously, if they see them as a wounded animal, 
you know, they, they're going to be a real surprise. And the key for me is, is that for sure. It's, it's got to be the, the defensive intensity that they've had all year because they have the, the personnel. We've talked on and on about the personnel they have defensively that can make things happen. But I, I'm wondering what it's going to come down to on the offensive end. Um, is Cat going to be able to take advantage of the matchups he's given? That For me, that, that's the biggest thing I'm concerned about. Because you you see what uh what the Clippers have done to him this year. Yeah, he's showing and the them, man. Exactly, exactly. And you got guys like Batum, Robert Covington putting putting them on him in this matchup. That he really isn't going to be able to get into a three point shooting barrage, three point shooting tempo with guys like that dogging him on the perimeter. Is he going to be able to take him into the post? And this is a uh, this is a tough thing to to swallow, but. He's only scoring 0.92 points per possession in the post. So for a guy that you want him to be doing some damage inside off of those switches, he hasn't done that all season. That's just a shade higher than what Kristaps Porzingis has done. And that could be an interesting wrinkle here. If they really dare him to post up, to go down the paint and score, that's going to be a tough matchup for him. So what is Chris Finch going to do to get him open from three and get him some good looks? Or what can other guys do to take the pressure off of him? Because I think, that's going to be their their real pressure point for the Clippers to take out this offensive barrage. I mean, they are the best offense in the league at times, but if you can cancel out Carl Anthony Towns, you've really broken them down. That's true, but that's where the Ant-Man comes in. I am mm-hmm. I am uber confident of Anthony Edwards flourishing on the biggest stage of his young career so far. As much as uh, the Clippers obviously have George back and he'll likely be defending Edwards for a lot of it and he has the defensive capabilities to be able to to really shut down a, a player even of Edwards' quality. Something, something, in, something in my... Maybe it's, maybe it's my heart, maybe it's my head, but I just I really see Anthony Edwards going off in this game and really announcing himself as one of the future stars of the NBA here. And this sounds like a dumb take on my part because it's it's pretty obvious, but I think it's gonna come down for him is his his shot selection and his three point shooting because he's had hot and cold nights all season, and when he's on from three, he just falls in love with it. Mm-hmm. Is Ant gonna fall in love with his jumper, and is he, is he gonna be patient when he needs to be and decisive when he has to be? Because choosing his moments are is gonna be the key here, because. I just see it going this way. If Paul George is matched up on him, you just see how how Ant really lights up when he's matched up against a star. He he wants to show it. And he said it. He said it. He loves those matchups. He loves to prove himself against those stars. If he's put up head-to-head against Paul George, is he going to start taking dumb shots? Is he going to start taking pull-ups? Because he's, he's going to see Paul George do it. He's going to want to do it. And that's not where this offense is going to thrive. So, it, it's a it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, if Ant's hitting a shot, obviously, and, and he's going off and he's hitting those threes, that's beautiful, and they, they have a great chance to win if he's an X-factor like that. But he can go the entirely different way if he really starts falling in love with that jumper and they start to get away from their offense because that's where the moments where this team has started to ebb and flow. If they're just jump shooting, getting back on defense, because they're one of the worst teams in the league at – at um, getting back on when they've score efficiently and they can get back into a set defense, they're fantastic. They jump into a top 10 defense when it's open court and they're trying to figure out who to match up with. That's times that's at times when they can really start to get sloppy, 
And the Clippers can really take advantage of that. So if Ant just starts getting trigger happy, when you got another guy like D'Lo, who talking about guys on slumps, he's been on a real cold stretch too. If he falls in love with his jumper and he tries to go shot for shot with Paul George like that, and we all know that Carl Anthony Towns can sometimes just shrink and allow other guys to, to take over, that could be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah, and that's where that's where co- coaching comes in too. I think it's it could be a very interesting battle between Chris Finch and Ty Lue. Ty Lue has shown himself again this season to be an elite level coach, and obviously he's had the answer to the T Wolves all season. There, uh, they won the ser- season series three to, three to one, and the L's uh, the L's there uh, were all pretty big. I think it was. They were what is it plus plus eleven? They beat them by eleven, then twenty, and then twenty-seven. The Clippers beating the the Timberwolves, so they were really able to yeah dominate fifty-eight point margin. So that's where you look towards how much planning has Chris Finch done to get things right for this game. Like we mentioned at the start. Being engaged on both ends of the floor is a huge thing for this Timberwolves team. And I do expect them to put up a much better fight. Looking at this as just this one-off game where we have to go, we have to go all in. But at the same time, the Clippers have had the answers all season. So you you kind of yeah. almost have to favor them. I wonder how important uh I, I suspect that Vando and Jaden McDaniels, they're gonna be huge here. Mm-hmm. in this game uh, especially especially if you got um cat matched up with covington or batum they're gonna really need to take advantage of having like slower centers on them if, they, if they're having hartenstein if they're having zubats put up against them they're gonna have to do something from the perimeter so i think a lot of this is going to come down to daring them to shoot daring them to do something with the ball and not really paying attention to them while all their attention is going to be on Edwards, going to be on Cat, shading those guys, helping on those guys. The Vando and McDaniels could have a big opportunity to contribute in this game, not just in scoring but in defense, but also on the boards. This is a huge thing. Um, rebounding, this rebounding battle is going to be interesting because T-Wolves are seventh in offensive rebounding, while the Clippers are 29th second to last in the league and defensive rebounding present percentage that could be a big swing for this team mm. in a year it's, it's funny in a year where cats had one of his worst uh rebounding years they've been great at attacking the boards and you got to think that's going to be a huge area for them to try and get more shots for a team that's been the best volume three-point shooting team in the league if they can get second second chance points from three that could be a huge swing in their favor and then at the other end, it could be – it's it's such a hit or miss in this situation because I could see them getting super trigger happy, and then in the open court, the Clippers are just going to tear them apart, or they're getting all these second-chance points and they're barraging threes and they're blowing out the Clippers. And I, I wonder if it's going to be one of those games where it's one or the other. Yeah, it, it really could be. I think one, one thing I always notice about the Clippers is – Whenever I watch them play, it's when their their three ball can catch fire. They can just start going off, and they're getting they're getting three the three point shots from everyone on the on the court at, at a time, and that's when the Clippers are really are really clicking. So that's something that, that Minnesota is going to have to be aware of 
luckily they have a, a number of defenders that are capable of switching out and are, are quick on their feet. So they should they should be able to to set up well to to defend that. But it's a it's a very interesting battle given obviously that we were saying Timberwolves obviously have the the most three pointers, but the the Clippers I always see them as a team when they're really when they're really clicking the three ball dropping big time for them. You got so you're the you're the Wolves and you got a pit bull and Pat Bev and you got to choose who are you, who are you sicking him onto? Probably 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 Reggie, isn't it? I think I'll say it because like the you don't want to get him started. I mean, because once once Reggie starts hitting threes, like he's mm-hmm. he's really he's really been un, unheralded this year and last year, just how elite of a three point shooter he's been especially as a motion shooter off the pick and roll step back. Like he's done a lot to get that three shot going. I, I think I'd want to stop him. Uh, that's my answer too. I'd, I'd want to make sure that you're not letting him get going early and often. And, and that leaves me with who, who do you trust to, to take that assignment for Paul George? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, I guess. I guess you probably you're probably looking to be doubling him in 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 a lot of situations. Would it be uh, would Vander Vanderbilt? Would he would he be the one? I, I'd want I'd, I'd want Vando to to be on him yeah. I mean, for for sure, and I, I think the one thing I'm worried about too is who who's managing the pick and roll. How are they going to defend the pick and roll? Yeah, you don't want you don't want Paul George getting into spots, and not just that you don't want Cat getting in foul trouble early. Because mm, yeah, I think they're, they're that's going to be a huge thing the Clippers are going to try to do. They're going to try and attack Cat early. They're going to try and get him into foul trouble because that's been one of the biggest downfalls of this team is when Cat just starts fouling, you can't get into a rhythm. They just don't get anything going. Mm. Yeah, now that that that'll, I think that'll definitely be something that. Uh, that the Clippers will will try to exploit, and that's something that that the T Wolves have to be prepared for, and that's something that it's going to test Cat mentally, and he's got to be able to, to he's got to be able to to overcome that, and not not make stupid fails, and not let the the opposition team basically play him like a fiddle. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of athletes to do it. I mean, I'll, I'll take Anthony Edwards there. He's he's turned up he turns up his defensive intensity depending on the matchup, and I think he'll be there be there he will take this matchup seriously and he will care about every minute of it and maybe even putting him on a guy like paul george keeps him more engaged off ball um you you have you have anthony edwards off ball off of paul george you got a lot of ball watching going on probably so maybe i i think maybe that's that's a matchup you want there and you have great help defense from vanderbilt from mcdaniels whoever else you put out there and man, if you're getting switches against Pat Bev, he's gonna love, he's gonna relish the opportunity to, to defend the post. Hmm. Um, and that's the thing. If, if they're playing drop coverage on that pick and roll, I, I really want to can cat stay disciplined. Can he can can he stay down? Can he avoid the fouling? Because that's that's gonna be real, that's gonna be a really tough situation if they start attacking him and he starts getting early fouls. Yeah, I think that's definitely definitely a key uh, a key key area to watch. But I think I'm gonna I think I'm going to be confident. I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in on my man, Anton. I'm going to believe that he's going to step up. He's going to have an awesome game. And the Timberwolves, they've been a better team than the Clippers this year. 
I know the Clippers have had their injuries and they're getting some players back at key times, but I think the Timberwolves are going to be able to put it all together and led by Anthony Edwards, they're going to get the win there. Yeah. And what, what about the bench, though? Are you worried about the bench at all? Mm, I wouldn't be overly worried. Maybe if we see them in a seven-game series, I might worry about it a bit, especially going up against a team like Memphis, who seems to just get scoring from everyone and anyone and everyone on their on their team. But uh, I think in this game, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I, I see as long as they're not in any sort of foul trouble, I, I see their starters playing playing big minutes and maybe they're only using a rotation of possibly eight or nine guys. That's true. I mean, as a, as a rotation does shrink down, then, I mean, bench scoring holds lesser value in the playoffs. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a big game here for Clippers bench mob. I mean, they're just 0.5 points behind the Heat as a best scoring bench in the league. Yeah. Last 15 games, Kennard shooting 44% from three, Covington shooting 48% from three. They got Powell healthy. And, you know, defensively too, they've been the 11th best bench and defensive rating. Minnesota's been up and down at times. And that's, I guess that's one more thing that I am worried about when it comes to Timberwolves is when, when they have their reserves out, when they're giving Cat a breather, giving Ant a breather, are they going to keep up with scoring? And Malik Beasley, that, that's a big thing there. Is Malik Beasley hitting his threes? Nas Reed hitting his threes. When those two guys, I mean, when those two guys are are able to stretch the floor out and they let their athletes run, I mean, that when they're letting, I mean, hell, if they, they're giving Okogie minutes at times, if they're letting their athletes run and they're letting those two guys stretch the floor, they do a lot of great things off the bench. Um, but again, I mean, like you said, preparation. This has been a seven and eight seed for the past two months, really. Like, it's yeah. been pretty obvious that this is going to match up for the while. Um, so I, the, the bench battle is, is one that I think they'll lose. I think they're going to win on the boards. Their, their bench is going to probably get outscored. And it's going to come down to Cat and Ant. And it's going to come down to Tilo. Is he going to still be in a slump? I don't think you want to rely on him coming out of it just now. Yeah. You need to just let him be a playmaker, let the game come to him. But... It's, it's crazy how bad he's been playing this past 15 games. It's 29% from three, 37% from the floor. It's just terrible ways to end the, end the season. But he's also seemed like he's, he's not really been that healthy. But it's for a team that's been so dynamic all year. I've wa- I want to pick the Timberwolves. I want to pick Anthony Edwards. I want to pick Cat. I want to pick one of the best scoring teams in the league. But it, it feels, the more and more I think about it, it feels more like the Clippers are the safe bet. I mean, their experience, their bench play, and, you know, the times that the Timberwolves have, have lost focus. So they, they have the chance to just obliterate the Clippers here in, if their three-point shot is on and they're out-rebounding them and they're running the floor. But I think there's a chance that things get out of hand if they can, if the Clippers just show up and they take care of business. Because they know what to do. They've got a lot of season playoff veterans on this team. They know their role. They know what they have to do. And they've done it well all season without Paul George. Now you got him back. Now you got Norman Powell back. I think it's it's going to be, if they see them as this wounded animal, like you said, it's going to be a tough out. Yeah, yeah. No, 
not, not in a disrespectful way, but definitely uh, somewhere they, they should believe that they are the better team and they go out and win. Not, not to disrespect the Clippers in any way, but that should definitely be be their, their mindset as they've, they've shown it they've shown it this season and they can't they can't let the games they, they just have to learn from those bad defeats they took uh, during the regular season and really show up now time to, time to come of age for some of these some of these young guns in uh, in Minnesota and it's definitely the game they want because they do not want to be going up against um the Phoenix Suns in the first round of the playoffs. The, the Grizzlies is a much more realistic game that they could they could uh, possibly cause cause an upset rather rather than the Suns. I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll see what all happens tomorrow. We got these two games set up in two teams, both both in really interesting positions. You have two really young teams trying to come in their own and prove that they belong, and two veteran teams really trying to be where they were supposed to the Clippers if they were healthy they should have been a top four team the Nets if they were healthy should have been the championship favorite and fascinating that both these teams right now are in the playoffs when you look back just 10 months 12 months ago but news here though that Kawhi Leonard doing three-on-three work who knows if he's going to come back I, I don't think they need him right now in the play-in but that's something I'm, I'm still watching I'm like googling that like twice a day like well any any Kawhi Leonard news because that changes everything. So I'm just keeping an eye on that. Oh, but I'm Simmons excited too. to see. But, eh, yeah, well, I won't put him on that same level. But gives <laughs> gives Nets a little bit more chance uh, defensively. Um, but yeah, we'll see two, two of these young teams. I'm excited to see what they have to prove. And for both of them, really, is this a lost season if they don't win this game? If they don't make, if they don't make the playoffs even, if they don't manage to make the playoffs. I think it 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 will it will be just because of the position they they've got in and the, the route they have now. I obviously I'm going Timberwolves to to, to get the win to, to tomorrow against the Clippers and I think the, the the Cavs will have to go up against either the Hawks or the Hornets. So, but I think if either of them end up playing against the winner of the nine ten game, I think they should they should both be winning that game. The I'll agree with you with the with the Timberwolves. They need to to beat the Pels and the Spurs. And I think they, they will either of those teams matched up. Um, when you go out West, when you go out East though, if, if slash when the, the Cavs don't beat Kevin Durant going up against the Hawks and the Hornets, that's going to be, that's not an easy matchup. No, not. either of those teams. So we'll, we'll preview those guys tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk Hawks and Hornets and we're going to talk um, Pels and Spurs two really really good games um spurs that have just shocked the world except for me getting the lakers out of there um i guess they really haven't been paying attention to tankathon at all but <laughs> can't wait to see that too yeah should be fun hand thank god thank god it's it's postseason time that's all i'll say absolutely can't wait well Ronan, thanks for breaking this down real quick with me well we'll see which comes true if ant's gonna become a hero if Garland becomes a hero, if this is the beginning of an era for these young players, or if, you know, these uh, old vets say it's not your time yet. Probably that, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, my friend.
Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.